A stu stu Studio D production. I could do that. I could make a living. I can edit your <laughs> podcast poorly. <It's> ridiculous. <laughs> I have to have some sound effects. That was a horn for any. <laughs> that you have the hand the seesaw okay, handle that you have to push up and down okay eer, eer. it's it's time for Salem to introduce us because we have gone Sit down I want to tell you a story a really weird and messed up story with murdering ghosts and gobbly ghouls it's all really fucked up so don't you be fooled but it's actually it's effed up I'm gonna, let's give I'm gonna give a pep talk. We're gonna have good episodes. Mm -hmm. We're gonna be aware of of being awesome. Mm -hmm. and, and too awesome sometimes. We have to be aware of how yes. we have to pull back our own awesomeness. We're to aware let of others our awesome. role in the awesome. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So and it's not about being perfect, but it's about having fun and being Awesome. And being awesome. <laughs> I didn't write this pep talk in advance. It was great. We, that we was need... great. Off on the fly. Improv was never my strong suit. I need we... a script. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Effed Up Family Storytime. I'm Salem. Y'all introduce yourselves. <laughs> I'm the incredible Jess. And I'm Kelly. And oh, nobody's going to do it. I'm you. the... Barely alive. I'm barely All alive. Right. <laughs> I'm Belle. I, I wasn't ready All to right. add an adjective. I, was I can do I it. I was trying to make it so Salem has to leave our awesome and incredible. Do it again. Okay. I was going to say, here today is awesome Jess, awesome Kelly, and awesome Belle on our barely awesome alive Belle. family I'm, I'm so happy to be here, awesome Salem. <laughs> We're That's also really awesome. It was that pep good. talk that helped us. <laughs> so now you have to leave the pep talk in. <laughs> Sorry. That was a bit ridiculous. Do you want me to do it over a more serious note? I want you to do what makes you happy because my anxiety should not. I just Wait, don't know what to we... do when Bell, when Hannah's not here. Are I'm... we a comedy podcast? We are or a comedy not? podcast. So that was funny, wasn't it? And ridiculous. So, so fucking okay. leave it in. Leave it in. And maybe one day you'll feel comfortable enough maybe moving comedy up to number two or something. <laughs> Entertainment I comedy. <laughs> I need some. I need some feedback there. Are we funny? <laughs> That's been me my whole life. Am I funny? Am I funny? Was that funny? Am I so, funny now? <laughs> the the way that I've lived my life this far is I've stopped caring if other people think I'm funny, but I personally am the funniest person that I know. Yeah, and so in our family, we all think that about. I us. think I'm so funny, and that's all how... that matters is that if I'm out here laughing at myself, Belle, then I'm I'm Belle having a good me, time. Bell gave me a new thing to say too, but. <laughs> So I was the same way as you say, like, always wondered, am I funny? I think I'm funny. And mom, once I made, because I always just make comments on things around and that I see. And mom's like, you're funny. You should do stand up. And I have ridden that the rest of my life. <laughs> mom like, said I was funny I'm once. fucking hilarious. <laughs> I'm going to circle back to our very first or maybe second podcast we ever did. And I'm going to say, are you sure mom didn't, wasn't just telling you to stand up? <laughs> We were in a moving car. <laughs> you, Jesse, stand up. I should do stand up? <laughs> that is what Jess said to me on like our second episode. Do I don't remember. Really? No. I'm fucking hilarious. Oh. You don't remember, obviously. That means you have that... to memorize your set to be a comedian. No, that's, that means that I can tell it again and I'll still laugh. So <laughs> that's what, all that matters. Who are right? you trying to make laugh, I guess, is me. the key. Yeah. That's why I couldn't do stand up is because I would tell a joke and then I would laugh at the joke and then I would tell another one. I, I like my sense of humor too. Most people too. don't get it and that's why yeah. I wonder if the listeners think that we're funny. And you, they may not but they haven't told us that yet so but they haven't said shut up and sit down so I'm just gonna but, stand up and keep talking. But the ones who deserve to be our shemmies do get it and do think we're funny. Yeah, That's what I think. Yeah I think so too. They're a part of our family. Join us. We Join do love you, the Shemis. family.
Email us. I know, right? I'm trying. <laughs> Tell us you're out there. I've Tell been, us you exist. I've been telling everybody I know about our Dave Buscemi thing, and I Dave Buscemi. <laughs> Dave, <laughs> Dave Buscemi. Steve Buscemi. Why did I say Dave? Sorry, Hi, Steve. Who is Dave? Is I that like his brother? Know. Dave is a key player in my story, and I've been thinking about my story really hard. Maybe I sent it to you with my mind. I mean, yeah. I mean, I just got the first part wrong. But anyway, on the off chance that somebody might know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody who could who knows who knows Steve, Dave, <laughs> so that somehow our podcast can get back to him. So I just want. I you- think it would just be hilarious, even if he sent us an email like your podcast fucking sucks. Stop, and please, stop using my using name. My name. That would be amazing. And then we'd be like, oh my god, how did it? How did it even start? Oh, I know how it started. How did this... I'm pretty sure it started because I was Oh, telling... because it was like a joke that Steve Buscemi was our one listener for some reason, but I yeah, don't remember. Yeah, but I remember. think it was Steve Buscemi because I think, I could be wrong, Salem might know because she's listened to all the editing, but I I, I think it was because I was telling about how when we went, I went to Eastern State Penitentiary or whatever you call it, penitentiary, that's how you there say you it. Go. Um, he was the audio guide Nar- like narrator that's right. as we were like walking around and I think I was saying something about how like just having Steve Buscemi in my ears as we were like walking around was like really cool and I think that's what got him up into conversation and then we and somehow then he became our about how only maybe listener. he's also listening to us or something like that <laughs> like if he because d- if he did this thing for for the prison maybe he likes true crime and maybe I yeah think and then how it was, got it was the... like maybe um maybe he would hear what we're saying about him right now and then that's how it, it, it started <laughs> yeah he's our so only if listener never been to eastern state penitentiary penitentiary shuri <laughs> then make it, make it an I, we would never be shemmies and we would never yeah, have talked right. about that's Steve it's all thanks to kelly just, no, I'm saying it's thanks to Easter State Penitentiary. I think it's it thanks to Steve Buscemi. It's kind of funny. <laughs> that's really what it how is. How things progress. Yeah. And that's going to lead us into the story that I'm All right. telling today. About Dave Buscemi? No, about Dave Holthouse. Does that name sound familiar to anybody? Dave Holthouse? No. No. All right. So the reason then that, that that leads into our story is because we are going on a journey. We are taking an expedition. I didn't bring a water bottle. So we are searching for Bigfoot. Yeah! yeah! And this journey is, a, it, it, like a lot of journeys do, this journey didn't necessarily lead me where I thought it was going to in the beginning. So it may kind of seem like we take a little sightseeing trip on the way. I love your (laughs) metaphor. So, um, well, and actually the metaphor fits because we are going to travel to Spy Rock Road. Ooh, what? Where's So Spy Rock Road (laughs) is located in the Emerald Triangle. Now, the Emerald Triangle is, I don't know if anybody is familiar with that. It has a very big reputation. Is it like the Alaska and Bermuda Triangles? No, but okay. a lot of people do go missing there. Is it, is it like the weed yes. in like Northern California? Oh. It's the undeveloped and- Emerald City. Undeveloped Emerald City. I like that. Yes. I've not heard that before. Oh, I was just being silly. Oh, I like it. I'm going to use it. I don't even really know what it is. I just thought it was it's, funny. It's like where like there's like a bunch of like like illegal grows and like a lot of like huge really farms. Huge like, drug farms. activity. Is it a that lot place of... that they did that one sh- documentary on Netflix like weed or whatever it was there's about. been a lot of documentaries about that the area, area yes okay. because so there are three counties that make up the Emerald Triangle there's Trinity County Humboldt County and then Mendocino County yes what state is that California California. Okay. California and it's in Northern California the Northern Pacific Woods where the big redwood forests are and the old growth and part of the reason that this place there's a lot of reasons that cause this area to become this marijuana capital and so we're going to kind of start there so back in the 70s um, after the Vietnam War like especially hippies started moving to the area because it was undeveloped and they started setting up communities and there was kind of, because it was so far away from all of the other cities, there wasn't a lot of law enforcement out there. It was kind of a lawless area and 
they didn't really go there for the lawlessness as much as the freedom. They wanted to develop their own communities. And they did. They set up schools. They had families. They had farms. And it was actually a really peaceful community. But they began primarily growing marijuana and selling marijuana because they were so isolated. There was really no other way for them to make money. So, like, they couldn't go get jobs. They were too far away from cities to go into town at that point. So they just developed these communities. And they and it's, probably wanted some marijuana, right? Well, and they were, most of them were hippies. There were a lot of um, Vietnam vets that went there after the war. So there were a lot of people that were like, just leave me alone, just wanted to mm. do their own thing and kind of live a simpler, more calm, relaxed life. Well, and studies have shown the benefits of PTSD and yeah. marijuana. So that also makes sense with the veterans. Yeah. It does. So it began as kind of like a small business for them. And then um, as and so we're going to kind of stop there in the marijuana business. And I want to take a little another little side trip. We're just going to go all over this area. So I don't know if you remember me telling you about the book that I read on Spy Rock Road that was written by Larry Livermore. And I was reading this book, Searching for Bigfoot. And um, and there's reasons that led me to this area to search for Bigfoot. But this book is about this guy who was like a punk, punk rocker in the music business, had been in bands, had been involved in like um, writing articles on the scene and stuff. And he moves to Spy Rock Road. And it's like his experience there. And it's like him being a punk. And this is in the 82 is when he moves there. Him being a punk in this hippie area and trying to like, like fit in. And get to know, like, at first he's kind of at battle with them. And he talks about how remote it is and how when you get onto Spy Rock Road and you start to go up past, I want to say it's Laytonville is the town that he technically lived in. But you go up past Laytonville into the mountains, up Spy Rock Road, and it becomes like this barely passable road, at least back then it was. And he said, like, in the winter, you would be snowed in for months sometimes. And he lived in this shack, basically, this little house that had no plumbing, no electricity. And he lived there for 15 years. That sounds like such an interesting life to just be, like, living in the woods and kind of surviving on your own. Especially coming from a city at a punk lifestyle and then just going and but still not losing your identity he like he didn't become a hippie yeah you know what i mean like he was a punk in in the hippies territory but they finally accepted him eventually but he uh he created a magazine called the lookout magazine he started that in 84 and um that ran until 95 and then in 87 he with a man named david hayes he formed lookout records which was a recording studio and they released like gold and platinum records from Operation Ivy and Green Day. Hell yeah. He formed a band called The Lookouts. They actually had, they put out two albums. Their second one is called Spy Rock Road. I listened to it this morning while I was finishing up my research. It's actually, it's punk, but it's good. I liked it. And uh, the, the drummer, so when he formed this band, he didn't have a lot of artists to find in the area, right? So the drummer that he chose or that he found was this 12-year-old kid named Trey Cool. Do you guys know who that is? That's not his real name. He became the drummer for Green Day. Really? No <laughs> yeah. way. Yeah, and so and Larry Livermore, like he signed Green Day to an like a record deal when nobody else would and he helped to get them the publicity that and they needed. He did needed. this up in this like kind of like he I would mean, have come, felt like it was a middle of nowhere sort of vibe. He but would come like down he... to Berkeley, California, which okay. is where a lot of these artists were um, located. Yeah, yeah. But they did a lot of touring and playing up in like small places in like Humboldt County, Mendocino County and up in the mountains, too. It was really a very interesting story. I enjoyed the book very much. Not what I was seeking, but it was really interesting. So, yeah, that sounds really interesting. It does. It, and it's... It, it, even further than what I said originally about just being really interesting to be kind of out in the middle of nowhere, like to bring that much community and culture to the middle of nowhere is also very yeah, surprising, you know, like to build a band and a recording studio and to bring these artists, have Green Day up there. Like it's I just, mean, it and is. then to help launch their career, essentially, just yeah. because he knew just because 
their drummer used to be the drummer for him. Like, it feels like, you like, know what, what I mean? A, like, what he, a life, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think it was like Green Day came to him. They had a different drummer, and then that drummer left, and he got Trey into the band with Green uh. Day. And then, like, the other members of Green Day actually had a hard time getting used to playing with Trey. And I read this um, interview that Trey did where he talks about, yeah. When I first started playing, I had way too many drum pieces and I was way into like this reggae and like everything was complicated and too many beats. And he's like, I had to like simplify it and tone it down to be a good punk rock drummer. And I think when he was in the lookouts, like Larry Livermore had said, like he didn't really push. He just didn't push Trey to be any one way. But I think Green Day as a whole did yeah that makes you sense. know yeah but yeah. um but then once they got it once they got the the feel man then i love green day so Me i thought too. that they was pretty cool the best live show i've ever been to I've never really? seen them live. they're so I good they i saw them right after covid and it was with weezer okay and fallout boy yeah which it was it was a really good job weezer did a good job too but you know <laughs> it's weezer <laughs> I like Weezer. I, Me know. Too. I like I like a lot of old Weezer. Old Weezer New know. Weezer yeah. is really yeah. There's the, uh, some guy on, that does that like sixty songs that explain the nineties. I think he's the one who talked about like the way there are some of those bands that you just you always love, but you always love like what they were then, and you're like, oh, I wish them well but like i'm not necessarily a fan yeah. of them now i'm a yeah. fan because of what they were then and that's what weezer is to me i had that feeling with fallout boy for a long time but i really like their new album i think yeah. it's so there's another, good i haven't listened to it yet but there's another type of way to be a fan of a band that lasts a million years and that is that you are like a fan of the new stuff that they're putting out um, and I have some of those too, and maybe I need to listen to Fallout Boy. And sometimes you're a bookin' fan. You like them <laughs> a lot, and then they kind of suck for a while, and then all of a sudden they're back again, and you like them. That's how I'm <laughs> feeling about Fallout Boy. Anyway, well, you know what music lovers like a lot? Bigfoot? Marijuana. Oh. Hell yeah, they do. <laughs> <laughs> well, the musicians I know like Bigfoot too. So, <laughs> well, that's true. I think they go hand in hand. So, this area, uh, the Emerald Triangle, Larry Livermore lived there right 82 to 97. That was kind of right during the time. And he talks about it a little bit in his book where the marijuana industry is starting to really boom. And like he hears them clearing, like he'll hear the mechanics of them, like clearing parts of the forest and like building. And a lot of people were starting to have huge crops. And part of the reason is because this area, they'll say everything grows better there like the tomatoes are better the flowers are brighter the trees are taller and the marijuana that weed that you're smoking just makes everything better and brighter and the and marijuana taller. is like some of the best that they get in the entire country so it became a huge business well back in the 80s you remember the war on drugs i don't know how well you remember it but they were taking the dea was taking helicopters they knew the emerald triangle was full of them and flying over filming the area finding these huge pot farms and going in with armed officers and forcibly taking entire crops. And it's destroying these families because this is their, like they take the whole crop. They have no money that year. That's all of the money that they make. So it was illegal. So they, by the law had the right to do it. It was also yeah. terrifying to yeah, these people. Sure. There's children's there. Mm -hmm. They landed helicopters in school fields and stuff, you know, like, they just treated everybody like criminals. Mm. What I don't care is that, like, in the 80s, yeah, I'm what, cocaine was priority number two for the DEA? I never understood why marijuana was such. Yeah. It, was like, the num it was the number one priority on the DEA's list in the 80s during the war people, on drugs. Like, coke was everywhere people were doing it at work people they were just were like, eating powdered donuts jesse it's just so and much they, of... but they're gonna go burn down some marijuana farms but they're not gonna go over to the 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 office of their sergeant who's probably snorting cocaine because with the door it's closed it's never been about the drug it's always been about <laughs> keeping marginalized yes. communities yep. marginalized yes. yeah. and these hippies had a different viewpoint from fucking conservative ass reagan and so they were a main yeah. target you're and, absolutely right belly and that's the point i was trying to make without being quite as angry uh, I liked i'm it. always I, angry. I liked the balance there <laughs> jesse <laughs> set bell up for the <laughs> da, da, da. <laughs> yeah that's that's why though like no, yeah but i mean i think because you know who's doing coke 
people who had money. Uh huh. I think part of it is too that there is a. It was like the greater percentage of marijuana that was distributed throughout the United States came from this area. And it was an easy target for them to be able to go. And whereas like finding your Coke dealers is different because it's coming up from South America and it's coming. And they could actually cut this off at the source. They could cut it off at the source. And and it's a really good way for them to be like, we're doing something. And it made them feel like they were doing Think of how those resources could have been reallocated and maybe they would have cracked something with the Coke. Because because the Coke is coming into the country. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm not disagreeing with your points oh, of I view know. i think that's, that that's just i'm those saying are part that of the their reasoning yeah. is stupid yeah <laughs> so part of what this caused was for the people that live there that were already kind of isolationist didn't want to be bothered some were a bit paranoid to become more paranoid to beef up their security to lock their gates to bring the marijuana inside into bunkers so they can't be seen to have armed guards to have men riding around with you know automatic rifles guarding and transporting marijuana and this area became a place where if you were not invited to spy rock road you better not go because you might get shot It was also a place where a lot of people knew this business was here, like a lot of transients, young people running away from home, whatever your story is, would go to make thousands of dollars at the marijuana grow fields and then disappear. Mm. So come, and this is where we're going to take our break, but I just want to leave what drew me initially to this area and to this story and took me down this wild side journey were these words fall of 93 three men killed by a bigfoot on a dope farm there may be some people that are familiar with that because i'm going to go into a documentary that is available on hulu so some of our listeners might have watched it already but but i haven't i haven't either so that's where we're going to take our break and we'll come back with maybe a little bigfoot story nice a little bigfoot (laughs) not a little foot though that's a dinosaur Hey, little Shemmies. Thanks for tuning in. While we were on our break, I just wanted to let you guys know how you can get a hold of us if you wanted to send us an email with your spooky stories. I'm still waiting for you to tell me those so I could tell them to you. Our email is ffsthepodcast at gmail.com. We'd also love to hear from you on the various social media sites. We're ffsthepodcast on Instagram and on Twitter and on Facebook, you can find us at E-F-F-E-D Up Storytime. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for tuning in. We love you, Shemmies. And uh, back to the show. Morning. Yeah. And we are back from break. Yeah. We are back. With empty bladders and full glasses of beverage. Three of them. <laughs> Multiple <laughs> beverages. No, I only have two now because I finished my coffee. Yeah, I finished my coffee too. So, Oh, but I didn't fill up my water. Oh, well. Do you want to do that real quick? No. Okay. I'm ready to hear what happens. Ready to go. So we left off three people killed by Bigfoot on a dope farm. So that's a dope farm, man. Dope farm. Dope. Those are the words of David Holthouse. So David Holthouse is a documentarian. He is a, an author. He does a lot of investigative reporting. And I thought it was interesting when I learned more about him. I wasn't able to find where he lives, which I can understand because he does a lot of like surplanting himself in dangerous groups of people like gangs Mm. and stuff and so i don't think he probably wants a lot of people to know where he lives but he has written articles for the westward and he has written articles specifically about denver so he is associated with denver i thought that was kind of cool yeah the Um, westward is a local newspaper for those who don't know yeah yeah, i guess he's written multiple articles for westward okay and he has done stuff like um put himself into gangs he's gone into like skinhead groups of skinheads and things like that so he danger danger so in 1993 let's get dangerous sorry yeah i knew jess would get the reference okay sorry so in 1993 in 1993 he bell was born 
That is true. Hooray. So is the very dangerous weed industry I'm now. It was be, already there. I'm going to be so old this year. <laughs> She's going to be ancient. She sounds like it, too. Yeah. Uh, I'm so old. It stays like today that remind me that I'm old this year. <laughs> Self-inflicted pain. Yeah. Especially um, because I was drinking with one of Quincy's like 22-year-old cousins. <laughs> And, and they probably out you. No, he did. It was really funny. At one point, I poured him and myself a glass of wine. And then, you know, we like cheers, walked away. I like took like three sips of my wine and went out in the garage. I smoked a little weed. I came back and he had a full glass of something else. <laughs> I was like, oh, to be 22. I know. I was like, damn. <laughs> and he probably feels fine this morning. I know. And that's the thing. Hey, it's I like, was your age when I drank the rainbow and I was fine. What is that? No, she was not. She tried that. to roll up the stairs. She what did try to roll that? up the stairs. So Jake. I was there you, you know jake uh-huh. he was bartending like he liked to do and he asked salem if she wanted to drink the rainbow so he made her a drink that was the color of every color of the rainbow so she had like what was like how many colors of the rainbow are there yeah. seven, seven shots i, I told think. him don't do the indigo just go straight to violet <laughs> did i drink the rainbow too i think so i, think I was only did. 19 so i probably was i'm surprised good. you don't remember because you know i didn't have memory loss when i drank until i was like 35 oh no i definitely was... the only times i don't remember drinking were when i was very very oh, young really? and i felt really awful the next day it's not like hangovers are reserved for the old but they're no. just easier but for you us d- you didn't there. try to roll up the stairs 1993 okay so david holdhouse decided that um one of the things he says is he goes after monsters and when he says that he means like people that are monsters but if he feels like somebody is a monster he's gonna go after him and that's why he infiltrated like the gangs and the skinheads and other people that he thought were equally bad people so he turned his head towards the marijuana industry and the Emerald Triangle because so many people had gone missing because it the, he'd heard a lot of rumors about it. And he so he wanted to get inside and see what it was like. So he knew somebody. There's a lot of like confidential somebodies in this story, um, you can imagine, because even though marijuana is legal in some states, it's not federally legal and they still have mm-hmm. a black market weed trade in the emerald triangle and i think that it's going to be going full legal i heard something about how like in the next couple years it's like the last outlaw crop that they're gonna have or something like that oh okay so it may may have just been one farm that i had heard about but they were saying things like this will be our last outlaw crop so i think a lot of people are going legal Okay, because the state it's, legal. Is now. it's legal in California, in California. Now. but I think they're, I think it's going to be hard to get rid of the completely get rid of the element there that this is has been like their life and maybe even family operated yeah. for years at, who don't want to go legit. They yeah. don't want to have to deal with it. I don't that. know what makes more money, but that's probably a well, factor. Well, but the taxes and like I'm, yeah. I'm thinking yeah. well, these people lived outside the law for have so to long. Go through all of this regulation in order to be compliant and there is like a whole lot. Like I only ever worked on the retail side of legal cannabis, but it's fucking insane the amount mm-hmm. of regulation like yeah. every single product is tagged and like marked with this little thing so that if the med drives by they have a little thing where if they just pointed at the building they can see all of the product wow. that we have in the store and if it doesn't exactly line up with all of the product that we have in like our database that's crazy then we yeah, can get like a wild. huge fine yeah no it's I, insane that's cool. wait and i don't know. know if i'm allowed to talk about that so when did david hold 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 Holder embed, house, right? Okay, house. that's what I'm going to get into. Embed himself into this. Okay, okay. <laughs> so David Holdhouse in the fall of '93, October, November. That's the the um, cultivating the harvest season. He knew somebody that owned like a uh, like a little shack up there, like an outbuilding. So this guy took him. They like met him in Branscombe, which is near Spy Rock Road and took him up into the mountains. He didn't really know where he was going. He didn't have any clue. This guy was just taking him up, took him to this outbuilding. No electricity, no plumbing, no heat, just pretty basic, right? And they got up there pretty late the first night, so they basically just went to bed. And the next day, he went and worked on the farm. And he was talking to people when he was there, and he kept hearing stories about 
like or of people talking. Nobody was really telling him because nobody knew him, so he wasn't really trusted. But he heard people talking about like Sasquatch that are out in the perimeter and how they like throw rocks and they they're making noises and they do bluff charges and all of this kind of stuff. And like he discovered pretty quickly in that one day that these people really believe that there's something out there that's fucking with them, right? And so that night they get back to the outbuilding and they're just hanging out and the guy that owns the place, he gets a call and David's just kind of listening. You know, he tries to, he's really good. He's really good at making people trust him. And he says, he says like, I, for whatever reason, have that like con man, that bad guy feel and people just accept me. These kinds of people just accept me as one of their own. But he said, I'm also have learned to sense the energy change in a room or to be able to make myself like like a fly on the wall that's not noticeable and be able to hear conversations like he's really learned how to like so he's like yeah blend it takes a specific skill set to be that kind of like chameleon yeah yeah yeah, for sure i'm just gonna do that the rest of the podcast just throw throw one words words. (laughs) i like it when you pause like you're unsure Wait, wait for it. You're going to hear a lot of and then we'll amazing it. and incredible. And then we'll turn it into slam poetry at the end. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. All right. So the guy that owns the outbuilding, he gets a call. And he is kind of sitting there trying to be not unnoticeable and listening. And he hears him say, and he's kind of tense. And he hears him say, you guys on a run? And then he hears him say, you got everything sorted? And then he says, keep them mellow. And so he's like, I don't know what the fuck any of that means, right? And then the guy, he, then, then the guy comes and like sits down and doesn't say anything about it. And then a couple of minutes later, these two guys show up. And they come like kind of frantically into the building. And David says that like the temperature of the room changed. And he's like, that is something that he had noticed. Like anybody that's been around violence, the temperature in the room will change. The temperature around them will change. And... I don't know if that if you could believe that or not, but he's very good at sensing these things. I do believe that, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, and they're talking. He can't really hear everything that they're saying. He's, again, just trying to sit there and not be noticed. The guy that owns the building says, are you sure they're dead? And the other guy's like, yeah, they're mangled. They're like totally mangled. Right. And they continue talking. And, he, and then one of the guys says, no, the weed is all there, man. It's all torn up, but it's all there. So, like, if it was a raid, they would have taken the weed, right? So then, you know, they talk some more, and then one of them says, I'm telling you, man, Bigfoot killed those guys. And then he goes on to say they're all mangled and shit, right? And so... Can you just imagine being David in this moment when you're just like, what? Bigfoot? (laughs) But trying to be all chill? So the guy that owns the place, like, calms the guys down, tells them to go back, like, clean the shit up. And then after the guys leave, he just calmly comes and sits down and David doesn't know what to say. And like, I don't even know if they really talked about it because he, you know, it's kind of a scary situation, right? After that, I don't know how long he stays there. He doesn't really go into detail. I get the impression he kind of just goes home right away, but he just kind of like this story sits in the back of his head from 93. So he decides just like a couple of years ago, I'm going to look into this. And I think part oh, of it so is... so that didn't go into any of his reporting at no. the time? And I think part of it was because it was such a dangerous world, maybe? I don't know. Because it was such an outlandish story, too. Well, and, like... And how is he going to research it back then when they're... You know, he'd yeah. have to have, like, their permission and... Yeah, well, and he was already there for, like, a reason. And his identity, you know, like, he didn't necessarily want... Yeah. You know, he had like a, a goal in mind and yeah. taking that kind of a detour would jeopardize his yeah. goal. Just, you know, I don't know. I, I well, just want to say before we get farther that I love that a pot farm has a code phrase, keep it mellow. That's good. I I'm don't know what it. that means, keep it mellow, but yeah. I'm just saying. I'm going to use it all the time. Keep it everyone, mellow. Everyone, keep it mellow. Keep it mellow. I know. I'm just saying, it, I mean, it means something. <laughs> if he was talking to guys about finding other guys dead, it doesn't just mean like, Peace out, man. Yeah, I know. I know. But <laughs> it's, it's got to like, be some sort of code gotta, phrase. Keep it, mellow. keep it on the down low. But, but it's I, like, just keep it mellow. It's just so potheadish. If it's yellow, <laughs> you know, let it, just, it mellow. It just is, right? Like, keep it mellow. Oh, you have different notes now. 
Yeah, because I <laughs> took them differently. So, because uh, I took them differently. <laughs> that's that's I, exactly why. I typed those into the computer and I wrote these down. Oh, on a piece of paper. so glad you clarified that for us. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. Keep it mellow, everyone. Keep it mellow. <laughs> so, so he starts researching this again, and he is trying to reach out to anybody, just trying to find anybody that'll talk to him about, have you heard a story about three men getting killed by Bigfoot on a dope farm? That's kind of how, you know, and everyone's like, the people that will talk to him, nobody knows. Nobody knows anything. So he hires a PI. And the PI, actually, he used to be like a police officer in the area, and he actually gets some traction with the story. But then he sends David this text that's like, I can't, do this anymore you're getting yourself in to something that's too dangerous i have a family to worry about i quit and so david is the fuck yeah so it's it's just that industry and also one thing that i hadn't mentioned before this area especially this by rock road um has a lot of hell's angels too and it has Mm -hmm. for a long time so there's a lot of like dangerous factors just in this area you start digging around Outlaws. outlaws exactly and we're not all dark winged ducks, so we don't all want to get dangerous. <laughs> some of <laughs> us only not that dangerous. Some yeah. of us only want to get a little bit excited. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So this whole experience happens. He decides to look into it like ten years later, tw- twenty years later, ter- thirty years later. <laughs> I can't math is hard. <laughs> Sometime in the future. <laughs> so through the PI, though, he does get. A contact that want that he doesn't know his his name. He goes by Razor. He actually does appear in the documentary, and he doesn't hide his face. Everybody else hides their face. Does he spell it without an O? They didn't spell it. Oh. He didn't have captions. I on. spelled it with an O, just like Gillette Razor. So, and he confirms that. And it's interesting. He calls him on the phone, and David had been kind of vague, like given a time frame for when this happened. Not and three people killed by Bigfoot. And this guy's like, yeah, fall of 93, there were these three Mexicans that were killed and ripped apart by a Sasquatch. So David's like, shit, this guy That's isn't just... That's fall of 93! Yeah, he's like, this guy's not just feeding back information to me that I gave him. He knows some details. So Razor agrees to meet with him, and he talks to him a lot about Spy Rock Road. At this point, David hadn't known Spy Rock Road because he didn't know where he was. So... Razor talks to him about Spy Rock Road and the community and kind of the history, gives him some insight, and he points him into the direction of a source. And so these sources lead him to other sources, and all of these sources kind of say the same thing. And some of them have different twists on it, but he eventually talks to this woman. And one one of the things that he discovers as he's talking to these people is that as the marijuana industry, like in the 90s, late 80s, 90s and stuff, as it became more militant, it also started to involve a lot of people that were doing amphetamines, cocaine, heroin, doing hard drugs, especially amphetamines. There were a lot of tweakers that worked up there because they would have they would they could work these like 12 hour shifts and, you know, had this energy uh, to be able to do the work because it is it's not an easy job per se. So he started talking to a lot of people and this kind of puts a spin on the whole thing. Like some, you know, he found out that the guy that came in, like we saw Bigfoot, he was a tweaker. He was, so that puts a spin on his story a little bit, but he eventually talks to this woman and she says that there's this man named Bigfoot Gary that is like one of the top growers In this area, right? And he had heard from somebody before, like, yeah, we heard these three guys were killed, that somebody had them killed because they were fucking with this guy's daughter, right, is one of the things. But there were no names or anything. And this lady's like, Bigfoot Gary had him killed because they raped his daughter, was what she specifically said. So the phrase, three men were killed by Bigfoot, has a totally different meaning in the context of there's a man named Bigfoot. Yeah. Yeah. 
Wow. Which Bigfoot Which did it? Bigfoot. <laughs> but then he is led to other people again, and then he's led to this group of people, and they give him a name that he never mentions. He is just alleged suspect, I guess. And he is a hell's angel. And so he kind of dives into that, but he doesn't turn anything up. He does end up talking to that guy. But it's, you know, he's not going to incriminate himself, right? You know, and uh, then he talks at one point, he gets a call from Gary's wife, Bigfoot Gary's wife. Mrs. Bigfoot? (laughs) Mrs. Bigfoot calls him up. And it's like, I don't know what you're talking about, but you got the wrong man. My husband's never killed anybody. And it's really funny when he's talking to her because she's telling him this. And he's like, well, I want to talk to Gary. Is Gary there? Is he there? Can I talk to him? Or are you the intermediary? And she turns, she's like, he wants to talk to you. Or am I the intermediary? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But he ends up talking to Gary and he gives him the details. 93, all of this. He's like, I didn't even have a daughter in 93. My daughter was born in 2000, which David Holthouse confirms. And what? I just think that that's hilarious. The way the story's spread, he didn't even have a daughter. Yeah. Even if like you're not sure of dates or whatever, and you can at least kind of have some idea, the daughter would have been what a baby or something. Like yeah, exactly. So absurd. Well, and it probably started because the guys who said Bigfoot killed her probably was meaning Bigfoot, like the creature. But then the rumor, because there was a guy named Bigfoot, I bet then as the rumor spread, people started to interpret it as him. Moral of the story. Don't, it's like telephone. Moral of the story, don't pick a nickname that is a mystical creature that kills people. I want everybody to call me Mothman. I was going to say, so I can't be Dragon. Yeah, oh. dragons aren't real. You can be dragon no. anymore. You said, dragons were real. You said mythological creatures. You're right. Uh, so, cryptid is what okay, I should have said. Okay, fine. Uh, yeah, you're right. That's, that's fine. I'll find a. I'm I would Jersey like to be devil. called Nessie, please. Oh, I love it, Kelly. <laughs> I mean Nessie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Nessie. I should have worn my Loch Ness shirt that says, uh, "What does it say?" It says, "The important thing is I believe in myself." <laughs> You should have. Oh, Nessie. Nessie. You should have known we were going to talk about <laughs> yeah. I, sh- I should have been prophetic because Nessie is, right? No, that's not one of her qualities at all. Okay, anyway. Well, nobody's talked to her, so we don't know if she's prophetic sure. or not. I, I am the human incarnation of Nessie, and I'm prophetic. <laughs> okay, Teal Swan. <laughs> Anyway, call me Nessie from now on. Thank you. Nessie. All right. So where did we leave off? Okay. So Gary says, yeah, he didn't have a daughter in 93. He had only one daughter and she was born in 2000. And then they also say that they didn't even live in the area in 93. They moved there in like 96 or 97. I don't know if David was able to confirm that, but it clearly sounds like Gary is not the culprit. And so then David's left with... What the fuck happened? <laughs> like yeah. the real Bigfoot. He obviously went from thinking because he never really believed in Bigfoot, but he went from thinking like this could be some weird outlandish thing that I've stumbled upon to oh no, it's something mundane, you know, like what he expected to. Well, maybe it is this weird outlandish thing again, right? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. so David ends up contacting, finally being able to get a hold of the original guy the guy that owned the cabin that took him up there that was there at the same time and he's like yeah I remember that and he tells him this is I'm gonna tell you what really happened he's like no names nothing but I'm gonna tell you what really happened so the three guys that were killed were Mexicans and there was an issue at that time with Mexican immigrants coming up and banding together and basically moving in on people's farms and then just being like we own this farm now getting enough of them together. And so... Which I will say is unfortunate because there were also plenty of Mexican immigrants just trying to make a life for themselves. And so these particular groups of people were not necessarily all Mexican immigrants, but were making it worse for everyone. Exactly. Yeah, it wasn't everybody. But this was becoming a problem and they felt like they needed to set an example. And you got to remember that all of these guys sitting around deciding the shit are a bunch of fucking tweakers that sleep maybe three hours a day, right? So they get this idea. They they need to set an example. They don't want to kill all the Mexicans. They just want to set an example, like, don't fuck with us, right? 
But how are they going to scare them enough? So they murder these guys and take bolt cutters and axes and use their truck to mangle the bodies and then spread the rumor that it's Bigfoot. So they had already started spreading the rumor before that Bigfoot with like the rock throwing and all these guys are tweakers. So they're just going to, they're already paranoid. I don't know. No offense to you tweakers, but it's real. I know tweakers. I've known tweakers and they're all like, what the fuck was that? What the fuck was that? You know, and you plant an idea in their head and they'll run with it. And then the one guy that, that came to the little cabin or outbuilding that was all like Bigfoot killed these guys was a tweaker. And he was intentionally the other guy that went with him was in on it, led him there, knowing that this guy was going to freak out. And then tweakers talk. He's going to spread it. So it was all a freaking setup just to Fuck. give, at least that's what this guy said, to um, like scare these, the Mexicans enough to not, to like, not try to fuck with them to get. So like, you don't them. want this area. You don't want this farm yeah. because there's Bigfoot. Bigfoot's here and, and kills three scare people. You away. And yeah. only Mexicans. He's racist and only kills Mexicans. But um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bigfoot's I mean, not but, racist. But that's a plausible. That's a plausible theory. I mean, yeah, that, it's a that plausible Bigfoot theory. Is racist. Well, Just that kidding. too. I mean, well, I think he he's speciesist. He hates all humans. Obviously. So anyway, so that is basically where he leaves it. He doesn't dig any more into it. He's gotten his answer. Because that's the the mundane, logical answer. Well, and why does he just take that guy's word for it? It almost seems like that is probably the most plausible because answer. Because it aligns. He was there at the time. He can corroborate. He knows he was there at the time because he saw him with his own eyes. He knows he knows a little bit about what was happening. And all of the details align with what he himself heard, which is that this one guy came in and was all anxious and saying Bigfoot, but that there is no other evidence necessarily firmly to support that there is an actual Bigfoot. And there's a lots of other evidence yeah. to support that there's trying you know nefarious things going on exactly that makes perfect sense to me and doesn't change the fact that the emerald triangle this area the north pacific redwood area pacific is i tried um, not to I laugh know. i'm sorry i know it was bad actually has a very high number of bigfoot sightings they do like they have bigfoot trails that they follow they think that the bigfoot migrate from the mountains down like by eureka down to the coast every year and back following the food like there are people that really oh, yeah. believe they're there and i'm not saying they're not i just don't know that this murder was actually because i also bigfoot doesn't have a lot of accounts of them killing people and mangling them. Yeah, and I was going to say it sounds to me like they took advantage of a of uh the stories that are already in place and warped it and where a true Bigfoot enthusiast might might see um <clears throat> That doesn't align with what we see of what Bigfoot's actual behaviors are. Yeah. Those outside of that would be like, yeah, Bigfoot's a crazy killer yeah. and would just roll with it. Mm -hmm. But it sounds like there might be actual stories that could indicate actual presence. And I feel like this might happen a lot in different like cryptid situations or different like places in the world where like there might be a truth there. But then some people take that truth, exacerbate it to a point of being absurd and illogical. And then people discount the entire thing. Yeah. But if we cut it back to that truth, maybe there's still a truth there. Yeah, I agree. No, I agree that that's the most likely scenario. I'm just saying that to f decide that that's what happened without actual evidentiary proof is poor investigative skills. You can say, I'm not investigating any further. I believe this is the most likely scenario. But I don't, like, he never really says he, he believes it. it. I think it's more just like, I don't think he's going to find any more answers. And it's not an easy, it wasn't easy and there's nefarious people involved. And I think he got at least far enough that he satisfied his own curiosity and, and sometimes you just say, like, this is what I know. And if you're a good journalist, you say, like, this, these are the facts and this is what I know. And yeah. this is how I piece it together. And now I have another assignment or another thing to go on. And if anything else changes, then maybe yeah. I'll be back. But maybe otherwise, back. here's the information. <laughs> and I and so maybe that's how he presented it. Are you saying that you wonder if there is more to the Bigfoot side of things? Like, I'm just saying that. I don't think you can consider it solved 
yeah. until you have that evidentiary. Yeah, no, I, agree I would with agree that with too. you there. I, I, yeah. So we're going to, I did back on the Bigfoot sightings. I didn't have the number in front of me, but there, California, I can't remember what year this was. I think 22, California recorded 558 Bigfoot sightings in the entire state. What? 47 of those were in Humboldt County. Wow. In California. And that was in 2022? I think I didn't write the year down. So who's going camping in California and hunting They're second only to Washington. Washington has more than who's going camping in Washington and hunting for Bigfoot. Not me. Us. (laughs) So and then let's see some other stats. Like I said, this Emerald Triangle Humboldt Humboldt County specifically has a lot of data on it, but they are one of the highest per capita missing people. And we see the reasons why. Some people go there just to disappear and don't want to be found. Some people get involved in nefarious businesses and probably end up in a shallow grave. There's people that live there say, yeah, there's probably bodies all over these hills. So probably not Bigfoot. I don't want to believe that Bigfoot is a murderer. I don't know that we have enough evidence outside of this to to indicate that it would be Bigfoot. Like when, I mean, I just feel like that's not a part of the sightings in terms like there's not a danger with this this if this creature was hunting humans there would be more deaths yeah that's what i would think agreed agreed and if it was bigfoot we're just assuming it that bigfoot's a crazy killer maybe it was self-defense maybe these maybe they attacked it yeah so maybe there are deaths caused by bigfoot but it's not it's the way that we it's a, a creature in the wild protecting themselves yeah yeah Anyway. That's my belief anyway, because I like Bigfoot. <laughs> Me too. Only because you were a kid when Harry and the Hendersons was still Harry a Harry and thing. the Hendersons is a fantastic movie. <laughs> I agree. 100%. <laughs> it's so true to life. <laughs> so, more stats. All right. Um, let's see. California. So the nation's rate. I had some weird numbers here. These don't add up. So the national rate of missing people per capita missing persons per capita is 6.5 per 100,000 okay uh california sees a higher rate than that like around 7 something 7.6 per 100,000 okay. but it's not that much more and two other sources where it said that Humboldt County had like 168 per 100,000 people Hundred per capita, hundred and sixty-eight persons per hundred. Yeah, missing people, and uh, that doesn't fit if California only has seven point six. No, it's per hundred thousand. Per hundred thousand. Okay, so I got that wrong. First of all, so per so California only has seven point six per hundred thousand, and this particular county has one hundred sixty-eight per hundred. Per hundred thousand. But that that could happen depending on how many counties have zero because it's also the per capita is really weird yeah so, so i don't you say the whole it. state has millions of people per cap per 100,000 but this county only has a few it's like 20,000 then a few cases is oh, a hard larger a percentage right? you have when you to, then multiply that to make it match the, the yeah, number because then you have to multiply it to equal the same as if there were a thousand and all that but so and that just shows every zero you have is still a number you divide uh, by for the average <laughs> Even though you're not adding if more you, to let's it. Let's think about it as percentage <laughs> instead. So whatever the percentage of 7.6 of 100,000 is compared to the percentage of 168 of 100,000 would be okay. the disparity there, which we is really just, interesting. We can just simplify it. So California is the second highest missing persons per capita below Alaska. Yeah. And yeah. it had in 2020. Two or 2021, it had 2,133 missing people that year. And Humboldt County is like a large percentage of that. Yeah, <laughs> Dis- disproportionately say. large. Yes. Based on the numbers, yeah. we can say that Humboldt County has one of the highest cases of missing people. And it does. In California. And like you said, there might be an explanation due to the industry there. There but might be an explanation due to Bigfoot, although I think he is a Harry from Harry and the Hendersons, so I don't think that that's I the answer. I don't think that's but. the answer. So that's basically my story. I could have gone more into some of the missing persons cases, but that's like a whole other episode in and of itself. 
So I decided to leave it there. But that isn't the end of our journey. Because if you remember at the beginning of this podcast, I said we were hunting Bigfoot. And we have not found Bigfoot yet. Not the right Bigfoot anyway. Yeah, we found some guy named Bigfoot. Bigfoot Gary. So for part two, our journey, our car, our van, whatever the fuck we're in, is going to head south into the Sierra Nevadas. Ooh. And Bigfoot we'll in the see, Sierra Nevada? We'll see if Bigfoot is there. Does Desert Bigfoot have a special name like Snow Bigfoot? It's Snow still Big the, Feet or Yeti. It's still the mountains, yeah, though. Yeah, Sierra Nevadas are mountains. I guess that's true. And, and what's really interesting is you've got but your it's a emerald. Kind of mountain. You've got your emerald. Uh, you've got anyway. your emerald triangle. Like here's California right here. Mm-hmm. And you've got your emerald triangle that's like here. And the Sierra Nevadas actually just come off. And so there's potentially a lot of possibility for these big feet. Migration. I'm sorry, never call them big feet. For these big, big foots. foots to migrate. Yeah. So who's Ooh. all up any ba- about made up words about made up creatures that know. you can't Bigfoot say big feet? Bigfoot is a proper noun. <laughs> yes, but who created it and is all upset about big feet versus Bigfoots? That's just grammar. I'm excited. So that's the end of this episode. Join us for part Woo-hoo. two next week. Shimmies. Yay. Everybody say goodbye. Wait, Wait we are have we to doing do our, our... Oh, that's right. We got <laughs> did, to... did you you did... like get the fuck out of here? Do you have one? Yes. What I did have we one. decide? Oh, Is Brenda. Wait, wait, wait. No. Don't you dare say those words. I don't like no, them. No, we're not no, we're doing, doing something else. <laughs> we're doing something we're doing different. Something it's else. a surprise you we're haven't heard it before. It it's different. new. Oh, okay. Jess and I came up with it downstairs when we were talking. Okay, go. One thing doesn't suck. One thing doesn't suck. One thing. Because it's one thing that doesn't suck. That's pretty good, y'all. I, I still like, like the the that was a pretty effed up story, Salem. Now for something not effed up. And then why do I feel like suck. <gasps> No There you go. We're all combining all our tips. I, I do have to say this is kind of feeling like the transition between skits on the Mickey Mouse Club TV show from Yeah, the that's 90s. okay. Do you mean the MMC rocks the house? It's okay. M- All right. MC. My- Rock's house. Rock it. My one thing that doesn't suck is we're going to have a laugh off. <gasps> what? I am going to tell you some jokes. <laughs> yeah. And the person who can go longest without laughing wins. Oh, well, congratulations, Jess. It's not going to be hard. Don't worry. <laughs> Ready? Okay. Ready? Who likes elephants? I like elephants. Yeah. All right. Good. What did Tarzan say when he saw the elephants come over the hill? What? Here come the elephants over the hill. <laughs> what? Well, Kelly <laughs> lost and Belle lost. I told you, Jay. Lost. Kelly lost. Do you want to see how long I can go? It's hard. Oh, I'm starting it. It's a whole We're thing. doing it again. We're doing it again. What time is it when an elephant sits on the fence? What time? Time to get a new fence. Faux I actually show. know that one. It was in a joke book we had as kids. What's the difference between plums and elephants? lots but what plums are purple what did tarzan say when he saw the elephants come over the hill with sunglasses on here what here come the elephants over the hill with sunglasses on (laughs) what did jane say when she saw the elephants come over the hill with sunglasses on what nothing she didn't recognize them (laughs) oh why did the elephant sit on the marshmallow why so he wouldn't fall on the hot chocolate what did Cheetah say when he saw the elephants come over the hill with sunglasses on? What? Here come the plums over the hill with sunglasses on. He was colorblind. <laughs> the over the hills are the best. What time is it? What time is it when ten elephants are chasing you? What time? Ten after one. Oh. How oh, many no. elephants fit in a VW? How many? Three. Two in the car. One in the trunk. How can you tell if one elephant has been in your fridge? Hmm. There are footprints in the butter. Why do elephants paint their toes red? Why? To hide in cherry trees. How can you tell if two elephants have been in your refrigerator? Two sets of footprints in the butter? And the cherries are missing. (laughs) How can you tell if three elephants have been in your refrigerator? How? There's a VW parked out front. (laughs) What's the elephant's favorite sport? What? Squash. (laughs) Why did the elephant fall out of the tree? It was dead. Oh, no. Oh, frick. Why did the second elephant fall out of the tree? 
Because it pushed the first elephant out of the tree? Close. It was glued to the to the first <laughs> elephant. What does an elephant use as a tampon? Ew. A sheep. <laughs> Why did the third elephant fall out of the tree? What? They thought it was a game. <laughs> Why did the tree fall down? Dumb elephant. Because there are three elephants in it, the tree? It thought it was an elephant. <laughs> Why are there so many elephants running free in the jungle? Why? Because the refrigerator isn't big enough to hold them all. <laughs> <laughs> and, and just didn't laugh at all. If anyone was surprised, you don't know us well enough. Uh, I didn't even smile. No, she didn't. She didn't. She was starting to give me a complex. <laughs> if you don't remember that Jessica is the same person who always won the quiet game growing up. Yes. Always. Yes. So Jessica's just really good about saying, oh, this is what we're doing with my emotions in my face and my yeah, voice. self-control. <laughs> I'm locked in and I will win every competition. That's my thing that doesn't suck. I loved it. That's that's the awesome. It was some good laughter. You know what I think is interesting? Laughing is is exacerbates the bladder issue that yeah. always comes at the end of our podcast. <laughs> so we should say goodbye. Say goodbye. Alright. Goodbye.